likely know him for his roles as Prince Whitaker in A Christmas Carousel and as Prince Henry in The Winter Palace. He worked out while we chatted. Yes, he was at the gym doing squats and all. Here's my candid conversation with the hilarious and brilliant Neil Bledsoe. Hi. Hi. What's going on, Jim? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You got me mid-workout. How's it going? <laughs> I, I knew you, you were going to be coming at me from the gym. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what do you? So what are we working out? What are we doing? Tell me about your hand. Uh, I broke my hand uh, uh, thinking that I was uh, invincible at, over the age of forty, which is always uh, a near catastrophic mistake. And uh, I am kind of rehabbing it. I had surgery on it, or I can show you. Oh, you had surgery? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I, I had. It sounds much more severe than it is, but the surgery like repairs the hand. Oh, okay. Nice gnarly scar there. Um, so yeah, just taking my Flintstone vitamins now, and, you know, day by day, growing stronger, trying to get back to my uh, somewhat superhuman self. Yeah, and that's, is that, what hand is that? Is my right hand? hand. Oh, it's your right hand. <laughs> the hand oh. I literally do everything with. So oh, yeah, no. uh, but, uh, but good, you know, all things considered, it's all right. Uh, so today, doing some leg stuff and doing what we can do, but I also got arthritis in my knee, so I'm just like a whole, whole host of terrible things. So where are you from, Jennifer? Um, right out, well, I'm from Pennsylvania, but um, I've been living like right outside of West Palm for like the last 20 some years. Okay, great. So you're going to be down at Rama Drama? I am. That's kind of how this whole thing started, actually. Um, yeah, I didn't even know things like Rama Drama existed. Um, I was unaware of that whole universe of fans. Um, but I think because I, you know, female between the ages of whatever, 18 and 60, like the Rama Drama Facebook ad was like in my face every day for I don't know how long. Um, trying to get you. So I finally clicked on it and it got me. Um, and yeah, so I, I do. So, I so what, do, do you mean, what do you mean this whole thing started? You started interviewing people because of this? The, the, this of type this? of podcast. Yeah, this type of podcast. So I have another podcast that I do, um, which is more mental health driven. Um, okay. And it's really heavy conversations. And so my goal for this year was to do a podcast that was not as heavy. Oh Jesus! You got to, you got the wrong guy, Jennifer. Yeah, no, I know. I've seen I have seen all most of your interviews of late. So, um, no, but it's totally fine. I just it's so funny because I, I I don't know. I just needed to do something lighter, and I started going through these down these rabbit holes of these fan groups for these Hallmark movies, and I was so intrigued by yes. by it. I had never I didn't know it existed. Um, it is a it is a whole another world down the rabbit hole is a good way to put it. Here's my question to you: Who has the most rabid fan base? Who has the most unexplainable fan base? Like inexplicably, uh, like why are these people fans of this person? And who has the largest fan base? Are you asking me, or are you saying you do? No, uh, no I, I don't think I would qualify for any of those three. Uh, maybe the inexplicably large fan base, because I still can't believe that anybody wants to see what I do. But um, 
uh, I'm asking you in your research. Going oh, in my this, research. Is, yeah. Is, so in your, you know, in your Alice like adventure through the looking glass. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Um, I would say Tyler Hines is probably up there as, as someone who gets a lot of traction. Um, I, um, wasn't, I mean, was not a Tyler Hines fan. I'm not sure that I even saw one of his movies. <laughs> and then I accidentally commented that in one of the groups. And that was the end of that. I'm not even sure I'm still in that group. I think they, right. and the knives came out for you. I'm sure. I'm listening. Um, but yeah, so, so definitely Tyler and, you know, and, and I think it's fantastic, but then I started diving into what some of you guys do outside of, of your on-screen work and whatnot, and that kind of intrigued me, and so that's why I started the podcast. Are you talking about my, my various animal charities and work for UNICEF? Or all, all the selfless <laughs> All of those things, all those things you put on your Instagram, like all of <laughs> The, the baptisms, yeah, exactly. Like the uh, the healing of the lepers. Yeah, I, yes. look, I'm not gonna throw the word saint around, but I'm definitely content. I'm shortlisted for sainthood, absolutely. <laughs> oh goodness! Here's, so you ask me what I'm working at, Jennifer. I think the better question is, what are my go-to gym songs? And this will explain a lot about about who I am. Okay, and I love it. I'm gonna give you five guesses where like my one number one gym jam is. And if you need a hint, you need a hint. Just take a shot in the dark and then I'll start giving you hints. Oh gosh, why don't you, you're not even gonna tell me like the genre of music? It's by a female singer. A female singer. Well, that narrows it down. Thank you. <laughs> female pop singer from Canada. Oh, is it a um, is it a Carly Rae Jepsen song? Nope. Hmm. Uh, the first name is the same letter. Oh, okay. Can I use my phone? <laughs> uh, no, come on. I don't know. My g number one gym jam is. Um, it's all coming back to me now by Celine Dion. Oh my gosh. And when I'm listening not. to it, oh, it is, absolutely. And when I'm listening to it, I will have the meanest scowl on my face in the history of mankind. It'll be, it'll be like, you know, crescendoing. And I'll be like, just like pumping out sets. I'm a weird man. I love it. I think it's great. I would have never guessed that in a million years. Not in a million years. So what's your second? You said you had five. What's your second? I was going to give you five guesses. I would say my other one, Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything for Love. Mm. Uh, Cher, If I Could Turn Back Time. Mm. And then Good I've one. got, oh, it's a jam. Absolutely. Uh, and then I've got some obscure ones that a lot of people haven't heard of. The song called Falcons by Amanda Bergman. And... Uh, uh, and then this other one's called uh, Destinations by Alessa. Oh, nice. I feel like I'm, so, I'm going to have to take this video of you and put those songs behind <laughs> it. I feel like we should make a whole, a whole workout video thing happening here. We Didn't could. realize I'd be producing one of those today, but I think it's fantastic. I think it could sell. I think it would be great. I think so. <laughs> I'm sort of the male James Fonda. 
So I was just gonna say, <laughs> oh my gosh. So what what's, questions yeah, no, I just want to know, like, what's, what's next for you? Um, you know, playing a lot of princes and the whole winter palace thing and whatnot. I'm just curious what's next. Um, that is a great question. Uh, as far as acting goes. Yeah. Um, my schedule, shockingly, uh, I'm not in as much demand as, uh, as you might think. So my schedule is remarkably wide open. If you have some ideas, I, feel free to pitch me on them. Yeah, well, I'm thinking the workout video would be a good, a good place to start. Um, well, how about writing? You're doing, you write instead of juice. So what's going on with that? I am. I'm doing a, a few things. I'm working on, um, I'm doing some development stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, one of the things that's really fascinated me and it has really been kind of a book in my young adult life has been the war in Afghanistan, the war on terror. Uh, and uh, in particular, sorry not to go too dark on you. I know you wanted to like- Oh no, it's okay, it's okay. Two, um, two images of falling people. Uh, really stayed with me. One is the falling man from the towers on 9-11. A great Esquire article about it, but I just remember Looking at horrors, thinking like, what were these dark shapes kind of falling from the World Trade Center on September 11th? And to see, to see that, and to think how the next 20 years of my life would be shaped by that day is unfathomable, right? Um, and particularly, there's this kind of uh, what is it? Fukuyama talked about those. Francis Fukuyama talked about the end of history uh, at the end of the 20th century, the end of the Cold War. And um, there's so there's this real sense of that dream being shattered. And maybe it was American naivete, maybe it was geographical isolation, or maybe our psychological isolation. The fact that we hadn't really suffered through any of the catastrophes of the 20th century. I think it really pierced that bubble and brought the world very much into our living rooms. And it, it's funny, I, I don't think, um, like the United States is a big patriot and I love this country and I, I sort of love the, the version of it that, uh, that we put in all the sales brochures, uh, all the version of it we try to tell ourselves that we are, maybe not the one that we always live up to. And that one is the one that's really kind of taken a hit. And so for the past 20 years, it's felt as if uh, it's felt as if we have just kind of stumbled through one unforced error after another. And uh, first and foremost was war in Afghanistan. So it brings us 20 years later, uh, August of 2021, we've got... Um, uh, the same images, of, uh, but this time of Afghan refugees clinging to the side of C-130s, uh, uh, you know, globe masters and falling through the, and desperately clinging to the, the fuselage of the landing gear and these planes as they take off. And so that idea is really going to stay with me. And so like one, the, the shattering of this dream of kind of who we were and the goodness of our cause and everything. 9-11 had a really piercing, uh, a, a piercing quality to it, a shattering of that dream. But the thing that stayed alive for 20 years was my notion, I think a lot of our notion, that we could still be a force for good. However imperfectly we were going about it, uh, imperfectly we were going about it, we could still be a force for good 
in the world. And I think we kind of saw the limits of our power uh, in a way that I hadn't seen there in my lifetime. And I think a lot of people that are maybe a generation older than us, Jennifer, who had seen the scenes from Saigon in 1975 would would think that, oh, well, I, uh, you know, that's, they might have had a similar reaction to it. So not to go off on too far tangent, but that story is really, that story has really, really captured my imagination and because it, it reveals a lot about who we are, uh, who we aren't, uh, what we do well, what we don't. Um, and so I've been wanting to develop stories about it. So I've been seeking, seeking stories. One was a, a story about a, a retired Marine colonel who was one of the first soldiers into uh, the Iraq Museum after he was admitted in the fall of Baghdad and has spent the rest of his uh, professional life trying to recover those things. And now a district attorney here in New York City trying to recover uh, antiquities. Um, and then the other is about this uh, this uh, Green Beret major who really thought of himself as Lawrence in Afghanistan and ended up uh, akin to something more like Colonel Kurtz when we talked about town. So those are the things I'm working on, uh, as well as stories about actors and uh, everything else. And, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. No, I, it, that's really interesting. Um, I love that. I remember, so uh, when when 9-11 happened, I was actually working in a newsroom. Really? Time. I was working in a local newsroom um, where I'm from. I went to school for broadcasting. So all through college, I worked at our local news station. I ran teleprompter. and This, this was in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania, yeah, in central Where Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was central okay. Pennsylvania, like Lancaster, Lancaster, oh, yeah. area. Amish country, sure. I got um, it. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised you guys had broadcast TVs out there. Yeah, I know, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, Anyways, I interrupted you. Yeah, I know, that's okay. One of the, it was such a unique experience to be in a newsroom during all of that. Um, and when you talk about uh, seeing images, what what were what those images were when you were looking up at the towers? You know, we were getting fed video that was not edited, so we were getting all the raw footage streamed into us, and we're watching it. And I remember looking at it and going, "That those are people, like those are people," and I never have been in a newsroom where it went completely quiet and silent. I mean, that's unheard of in a newsroom. There's some noise that's happening sure. and there was nothing. And um, it's so interesting because I was just um, cleaning out one of my bookshelves and I have a book called Covering Catastrophe um, that I got because I was so interested in the ways that that event was covered. Um, and it really did kind of shape kind of my, my interest in broadcasting and new, I'm a huge news junkie. I Try not to watch it too much because it can be a little whatever. But, um, but yeah, that certainly being in a newsroom during that event was something I will never forget. Um, it was very surreal. Yeah, it was incredible. I was actually I was working in the newsroom. I was actually working as a production assistant for a for a nature show that got syndicated out of our little town when we got taken over by Hearst Argyle Productions. Um, and the girl that I was working with had family in New York and um, and family that worked in the trade center. And I remember sitting there watching this with her. And yeah, I mean, those those stories and then talking about, you know, the 
the Afghans hanging on to, the, I watch a lot of news. So, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, that would be, that's an incredible um, line of kind of writing. And, and you know, I, I'm excited for that. That seems really Thank you very much. Well, yeah. It's, it, I think that dovetails nicely into the, what brings us here, uh, which is Hallmark. And the, the rise of Hallmark has really been kind of, the more that our country seemingly has become more fractious in a media landscape, Hallmark has sort of served as, uh, as an apolitical universe, uh, a place where, where you can go for happy. You know, we're like, it's a, it is, if the rest of the field, if the rest of TV is a minefield of triggering experiences, watching Hallmark and GAC and Lifetime or kind of like being in uh, a Candyland board game, you're in a, a minefield of marshmallows. Right. right. When right. you need an escape like that, it's so true. It was a little different for me. I had just like a major mental health breakdown around the holidays a couple of years ago. And I remember needing to reframe my, my whole, my senses around the holidays, which would always be triggered because of the trauma that I, that had happened to me. And so I would watch Hallmark movies to kind of almost retrain my brain, you know, that this Christmas is good. Thanksgiving is good. <laughs> you know, it's almost kind of like a, like a re like relearning how to, you know, get through the holidays again. Um, and it, is it, it something it, to do with like friends and family that triggered this or what was it? Oh, the, the mental health breakdown? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm sorry if this is like so not interesting to for you. No, um, no, no, but, no. This is fascinating. Um, so I actually did a documentary film back in 2015 about, it's called Dark Side of the Full Moon. And it was about my experience with pregnancy and postpartum depression, severe depression oh, okay. and anxiety. Um, so I did a documentary film. It's still, it's been shown all over the world. They use it as an educational tool in teaching hospitals to kind of show what happens when women aren't screened and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I got better, but then in 2017, I ended up having like a complete relapse and was ultimately diagnosed with bipolar. And it happened like in November, like November, December. And my whole thing with my postpartum also happened around November, December. Um, and I love the holidays. And I just remember like, just, you know, I suffered in silence for over the holidays. And so it was really hard for me to kind of enjoy that stuff. And now having a daughter, it's like, you know, I couldn't, I just could not get into the holidays. It was so triggering for me, the smells of the tree, like everything was just a trigger for shit. Like it's just, everything was like horrible. Um, and so I really did take a deep dive into Hallmark. It's weird, but I mean, that's what I did. And it almost like retrained my brain to be like, you know, I just literally threw myself into every Hallmark movie I possibly could. And just learn to kind of love the holidays again. And it was a big part of like my healing process along with medication and, you know, your therapy sure. sessions. Sure. I wouldn't sure. say that Hallmark is the healer, but. <laughs> well, this is the, the first I've heard of uh, Hallmark not being a placebo, actually being something that is, uh, is a bit of therapy itself. I love that. Um, first of all, how old's your daughter? My daughter's 12, um, and she she lives with special needs, so she's on the autism spectrum, mostly nonverbal for the most part. So 
that was another big thing that kind of happened in our lives that, you know, one of those things that kind of you, you, you look at motherhood and parenthood one way, and then something happens and it's like, not that going to be that <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, but she's fantastic. She's a happy, happy kid. Um, What's her name? Her name's Allison. Allison. Okay, cool. And then just the one daughter, right? Just yeah. Allison? Yeah, just Allie. That's it. I think, you know, I think it's easy for, thank you for sharing this. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think it's very easy for people to, to denigrate Homer as fluff, as I just did, uh, like a minefield of marshmallows. Uh, <laughs> I, but it, it really does have, I think you're, you're, you're hitting on something that I think is really interesting, which is that Hallmark has a, perhaps a deeper therapeutic effect, and there's a deeper therapeutic need for that, to, to retrain our brains around, uh, around coming together. I mean, there, shoot, there's a reason that we still fucking watch The Wonderful Life over and over and over. We know that George Bailey is going to be fine. We know that, you know, he's... He's never going to leave Bedford Park. And, and there's, there's a need for that to be true. There's a need for innocence. I think there's a need for that pre-9-11 innocence. Like, and we have become so fractured by our media and so fractured by the panic button constantly going off. I'm like, look, I, do, I, do I enjoy Fox News? No, I, I think it's... I think it's pretty vile. And I think that like, do I think there's good news on it? Absolutely. But do I think it's also mixed in with propaganda and, and shamelessly like uh, latest breaking news, Biden is sponsoring white daughters being abused by black men in heart. And like, just like, what is this? But then there's also like, do I like the other side, which is like watching CNN and like, Oh, you know, when we come back from the break, watch what happens with Donald Trump when we stand and miss, like, whatever. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so triggering, is my point. And I don't mean to stand on any side of it, but, uh, and, and like you, I'm addicted to news. And like, during 2020, I had to get off that train. It was just like, uh, this is overwhelming to me. And I keep looking to, like, I would like to literally hit refresh when the pandemic broke out. And then I was like, why do I keep hitting the fucking refresh button thinking that like somehow COVID is going to be solved in the next five minutes right. or like, or whatever conflagration that Trump has gotten or whatever it was. And so there's a need for this kind of environment that Hallmark provides or fairy tales, you know? I mean, really, it's no different than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, it's like, or, 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 or watching Game of Thrones, you know? It's like, Everybody has plot armor. Everybody's going to fall in love. It's all going to be fine. And sometimes, for me, it's maddening as a storyteller, but also I can see the utility of it. Yeah, that and, that, and that formula that people tend to kind of knock down sometimes, especially like my husband would be like, well, is it almost over? You know, they didn't kiss yet. So <laughs> then it'll right. be over in like 10 minutes. You know, that that formula and that, that knowing what's going to happen is really good for people that have anxiety issues. Um, and that's why people with anxiety tend to watch movies they've seen before because that anticipation of not knowing what's going to happen when you watch something um, can, can make you feel anxious. And so with a Hallmark movie, even if it's a new one I've never seen, I know it's going to end up okay. <laughs> so, you know, that's really helpful for people who are looking for programming that doesn't trigger them. And that really, you know, 
is something that they know that they can enjoy without, you know, 1000%. But your husband shouldn't be such a jerk about it. Does he like Law and Order? No. No? What, what's his favorite show? Um, <laughs> he, what's his um, name, by the way? Like, like the, the, what's, the, the, what's that? What's his name? Oh, Bill. All right, what's Bill's favorite TV show? Um, he watches a lot of the Star Wars stuff, like the Bubba Fett stuff, and yeah. I don't know. But together, we watch Snowpiercer. That's one of our favorite shows. Okay, and the TV show, not the film? Right, TV okay. show. Yeah. I don't know what All else right, well, he watches. He watches surfing. He's a surfer, so we watch, we watch a lot of like live surfing stuff from Hawaii. Does he like North Shore, the movie? Yes. Oh. Or, yeah. We're you know, I all surfing a, all the time. I actually took a surfing lesson from John Philbit, who uh, played Turtle in that movie. Oh, really? One of the best days of my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and practically only one of, one of the only reasons I want to go to Ramadan. Truth be told, don't tell anybody else, even though we're putting it on a podcast. But the real reason I want to go to Rama Drama is meet Gregory Harrison Chandler from North Shore. That is so awesome. <laughs> just, and it's just so I can get him to do my outgoing voicemail and have him say, hey, Bruce Neal, this is Chandler. Go ahead. Go shred. <laughs> so good. That's all I want. That is all, all I want. That is um, so funny. Well, my point about it was this. Is like, you take something like Law and Order. You take any procedural TV show, you have the same kind of, I know what's going to happen. No matter what happens, no matter what kind of grisly crime is committed on the streets of New York, people are lulled into this into this little dream fantasy that this crack squad of police investigators are gonna go to work and find find the perpetrator. And if we look at like the, the I think the, the murder close rates in like Chicago or something, I think it's like 20% or something. So it's like the fact that they catch the bad guy every time on, on Chicago TV or whatever that Dick Wolf NBC thing is, is insane. It's like a better show would be like four out of five times. Like, well, uh, you guys want to go drinking? Right. <laughs> right, not this time, right? But it's like we have, we have a need for something like that. But I guess what I find so strange about it is something like Law and Order, like Mariska Hargitay, would never be painted with the same brush as Candace Cameron. Yeah, it's really kind of the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like one is, yes, we're really delving into the issues. Are you? Are you? <laughs> Um, and I've been on Law and Order SVU. Uh, you know, it's like whatever. Oh, that's funny. All right, we're moving on to our second work, our second exercise routine here, Jennifer. All right, what is that? What's our second one? We're gonna do some goblet squats and uh, some step ups. How often so, do you work out? Uh, six days a week. Nice. That's a cool. Yeah, gym. I was, It is. It's a. Uh, it's a cool. It's a rock climbing gym that I've uh, belonged to. I got really into rock climbing with my buddy Wyatt, who I'm sure you know oh, is yes. my, my online nemesis. We got into, I, he's a fantastic rock climber and got me into it uh, uh, a few years ago. So here, yeah. this is my home gym. That's cool. Yeah. 
I was so just talking, I was talking to, um, I interviewed Ryan Pavey last week and he does uh, climbing, wall climbing stuff. That handsome son of a gun. Ryan Pavey is a very interesting man. I actually really, probably my second reason that I want to go to uh, Rama Drama is to pump Ryan Pavey for more of his uh, soap opera fan convention stories. He was telling me this one about, uh, <laughs> Ryan, if you're listening, I hope you forgive me for, for dealing with some comments. He used to go to these like, so I met him at a Christmas time. Right. And he was like, man, this is, this is pretty nice. This is pretty swell. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, oh man, I used to go to these like, you know, these, and Ryan, he's got these like eyebrows and this furrowed brow, but it's kind of its own character in a way. He's kind of like, you remember the movie Total Recall where like the guy had the little like midget quato in his chest? That's the way that kind of Ryan's eyebrows and like furrowed brow kind of act on their own. It's like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know where to look. <laughs> and so Ryan's like, he's fixing me with both of those dual gazes. And he says, like, oh, yeah, man, we used to go down to these soap opera conventions uh, on, like the Jersey Shore and they'd be held in comedy clubs. And there was always like a three drink minimum. And so by the end of the night, people's hands started to get lower and lower. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. So that's those are more of the stories I want to pop Ryan for. Oh, my God. Anyways, I, digress, I digress from your digression. So what did Ryan say? Um, no, well, he does the whole rock climbing thing, but he, we talked for like a good 90 minutes. He, he's fantastic. And I'm, I'm, I want to get some of his jewelry personally. Um, oh, right, right, right. He's a jewelry designer. Oh right? my gosh. Amazing stuff. Amazing. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about, I'm so glad that you committed to Rama drama because I think there was some question about whether or not you were actually going to be able to make it. So I know least in the little fan group they're all very excited um, well that's that's very cool i i'm uh, we're we're still gonna see i you know they it's always kind of a question but as of now the plan is to be there yeah yeah i hear it's very i've never been to any sort of fan event um at all uh but i hear it's it's very different from christmas con um so it should be a good time. And I'm excited it's happening right in my backyard. So that's always a oh. nice benefit. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I, I spent, were you at Christmas time? No. Oh, okay. I, I spent most of the events in, in character, which was a gleeful amount of fun. Oh. <laughs> yeah. and, and then were you, you were giving like tax advice or something, I heard? Uh, yeah, I had like, well, here's the deal. They put me between these two handsome Canadians uh, uh, who'd they have today they made between Cameron Matheson and Brendan Elliott okay. and I just had like the, the smallest line of anybody also like who the hell was I you know so they uh, <laughs> I, I just put up a sign because I wasn't getting anybody coming over that uh, I was going to give out free tax advice and uh, you know I'm not I guess what I'm saying is Jennifer I'm not above shameless gimmicky I think there's going to be plenty of people in your line in West Palm. I, I, I hope so. I sincerely hope so. Um, yeah, it was like uh, it was a uh, it was it was wonderful. But I I think again, you know, what I always love about that stuff is you see how much need there is for uh, for our kind of stories. You know, that you got a lot of people that are that. That really do enjoy it on a level that is 
Yeah. Touching and wonderful. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Danica is really one of the people that really opened that world up to me. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of like what it means and what it, uh, what it represents. Well, I'm super excited to be able to meet you in West Palm. It should Absolutely. be a good time. It'll be good. It's a really nice hotel. So, um, and downtown West Palm is a lot of fun. Oh, so, the weather, the weather would have been nicer in January. It'll probably be hotter than all get out in June. And hopefully there's no hurricanes, but. Well, I look forward to meeting you then. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, yeah it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Cool. Well, enjoy your workout. Thanks very much, Jennifer. It was a pleasure to meet you. It was really nice meeting you too. I'll let Thank you know. You I'll, I'll tag you when this launches. Okay. Okay, perfect. Give my right. best to little Allison and Bill. Oh, thanks. Tell, tell Bill to give my movies a chance, all right? Okay. <laughs> For sure. All right, bye. Good night, Jennifer. Good night. To see more from Neil and where to follow him on social media, you can visit jennifersilliman.com slash heartsofstarspodcast slash Neil Bledsoe. 